This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Thank you. Morning. God never ceases to amaze me, doesn't it? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? We normally only have a minute to mingle, isn't it? We don't usually have a little bit of silence before. Oh, gosh, I can't see any. Yeah, my glasses are up, I guess, you know. We don't normally have as many silence, but in that silence today, Martin actually encouraged you to do what I want you to do during my sermon. So isn't that incredible how God works? And you have no idea what I'm speaking on. Well, there we go, you see? There we go. Right. Last time I spoke, I spoke about Joshua, and he was the new leader of the gang. Moses had died, and Joshua was left in charge. And these people, the one whole generation of the Israelites had died out in the wilderness because they were complainers. Please listen, they were complainers. So they had died in the desert. And Joshua was ready with the next generation to cross the Jordan River. The Jordan is in full flood. Before that, this is what he says. So Joshua 3 verse 5 says this. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I started to wonder, what does consecration mean? In other versions it says, purify yourselves. And the purification process, oh, I'm sorry, I'm booming, was that they um, had to wash themselves. Pretty difficult in the desert for a million and a half people. But they had to wash themselves. They had to change their clothes. And I, I started to think, and then I read a bit about it, and this is what I came about, across. God was never interested in their ritual. It wasn't about the washing or about the changing. God was really interested in their hearts. So even when we think they were only under the law, God was interested in their hearts. And what he was really interested in was their obedience and their repentance. Isn't that amazing? So there's no ritual. But there's some rituals that I went through that I think we should reinstate. Did you know, now here's a question for you, that among the Israelite women, there was hardly any cervical cancer? Do you know why? You can have a guess. Because I'm going to lobby for it. So that when Andrew and Martin get into power in Parliament, I want this law passed. Do you know why there was hardly any cervical cancer among women? You should guess, boys. Because the men were circumcised. Yeah. Now then, I reckon you should all be circumcised at birth. At eight days, like, I'm going to lobby for it. Big things about cancer. So the easiest way to stop women getting cervical cancer it circumcise your men. In God sensible. Yeah. There we go. Off you go, boys. Off you jolly well go. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can all sit with your legs crossed now. Right. Yeah. Well, well. Isn't that amazing? Hand washing. Ritual hand washing. Three times I had to wash the hands. What happens now? The hand washing. Biggest bacteria carriers there are, your hands. What do you tell your kids? Go to the toilet? Don't 
Don't forget to wash your hands. See? The laws were never just ritual. Yeah. Oh, Leviticus is great. Go through it. Don't sleep with any animals. You know why. Right. Now then. Won't go there. Right. So when I was thinking of this, I started to think, well, what does that mean for us? What does purifying mean for us then? How do we go through this process of purification? So I'm going to take a look at a different man. I'm going to take a look at Jacob. I love Jacob. And I hate him. You know, I've got a love-hate relationship with all this family. Oh, dear me, they were dysfunctional. There's nothing pleasant about Jacob. He's described as a man who lived in tents. He was a mommy's boy, to be honest. But let's take a look. Right, so it's Genesis 33, and it's... No, 32, sorry, 24 to 32. So Jacob was left alone. Let me tell you the story first before we go on. Everybody, most of you know who Jacob was. He was the second born of twins. And as he was being born, he was born grasping onto the heel of his brother. So they named him Jacob, which means grabber. And, but God blessed Jacob more than Esau. Unfortunately, Jacob was a control freak. And he wanted to sort out his own life. So what he does is... He manipulates the birthright out of his brother, which means that he gets a double portion of the money, and now he is in charge of the family. He's the patriarch, so he's in charge of the spiritual life of the family as well as the rest of it. Then, with his mother's help, he manipulates the blessing out of his father. He even dresses up in goat skin to make him think his brother was hairy, so that he feels like his brother. And the, the, the blessing was the prophecy of God over his life. After that, he had to run away because his brother now was going to kill him. His father was livid with him. So off he goes up to Haran to live with Laban. But in Laban, he meets a man who is manipulative as himself. And he falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. There's Rachel, isn't it? Not Rebecca. I always get those two mixed up. But Laban gives him Leah. And tells him he has to work another seven years if he wants Rachel. But he didn't work the seven years before marrying her. Apparently he only worked seven days. Then he married Rachel. So he had two wives in a week. And then... Oh, something in it. And then he had to work for seven years for Laban. So in that time he starts to manipulate so that he gets his flocks of goats and everything. He ends up a wealthy man. And we come to the time where he's decided he's going back home and he's going to meet his brother. And that's where we're up to now. So Jacob's left alone. He's left his family, sent his family away. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with him. Now, that's pretty painful to have your hip put out a joint, right? It's not touch. He has pushed it so that this hip, and if anybody's dislocated their shoulder, just imagine what your hip must feel like. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? 
Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. You see, when I look at this, and I've read and read and read it, I believe that we have to wrestle at three points in order to get the blessing. If you want to cross over the flowing Jordan, if you want to reach your promised land, if you want to get to that place where God has blessed you, then I think you're going to have to wrestle at three areas. You're going to have to wrestle with yourself, you're going to have to wrestle with God, and you're going to have to wrestle with others. So, that's wrestling with yourself. God asks Jacob, what's your name? And all he can say is, I'm Jacob. And Jacob means supplanter, grabber, grasper, deceiver, manipulator. You know, so he can't lie about two years to God. He can't put a show on. God knows exactly who he is. I can't go to God. When God asks me, Irene, what's your name? Irene means Snow White. I am not Snow White, am I? And God knows I'm not Snow White. So you can't face God with the names you want for yourself. You have to go there with who you really are. And just to admit who we really are in the depths of our being before God is something we have to wrestle with. You have to own who you really are before you can get the blessing. God will not bless the false you. God will not bless the fake you. God will bless that face you put on for everybody else. God will only bless you, the real you, the you that you don't like. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, Peter said, you can't wash my feet, wash my head as well. And Jesus said, your head's clean. I don't need to wash the clean bits. I've got to wash the dirty bits. So God wants us to bring to him those bits that we don't want anybody else to see. Those bits that we're ashamed of. Those bits of us that says, I'm very selfish, you know. Those bits of us that are self-pitying. Those bits of us that are manipulative. Those bits of us that we don't like very much, so we hide. And we put on a show to everybody else, but look how good I am. Look how nice I am. But God wants you to come with who you really are. I'm not Snow White. You know, I'm much more like the, what is it, the mother. <laughs> Very often. And that's the part I have to take to God, isn't it? You know, oh, I can be jealous sometimes. I can be this sometimes. I can be downright nasty sometimes. These are the things that God wants to deal with us with. And when we say who we are, then God can start to work with us. He can't work on our fakeness. He can only work on our reality. He can only work on who we really are. He can't change fake. Fake is fake. You know, 
You can change your makeup as much as you like, but your underlying bone structure will stay the same. Mind your makeup is amazing. You could like putting on a new face when you put on makeup. But can you do you see what I'm getting at? You have to change the real you, not the you that you give to people as a perceived, you know, this is who I am. This is who I am. Only the real you can come through. And you have to own who you are. No excuses. You can't go and say, it's because of. If you only knew what, it's this is what I am. Jacob couldn't stand before God and said, because my father preferred my brother and my mother married me, and then my uncle did this to me, and you know, I don't like Leah very much, but now I've got her for life. He couldn't do any of that. He had to own who he was. I am a control freak. Basically, that's what Jacob was. So that's the first thing you have to do. You have to own yourself you want to be blessed and then God isn't God amazing God initiates the wrestling you don't initiate the wrestling God wants you to wrestle with him and he wants you to wrestle with him because he wants to bless you do you realize how much God wants to bless you he had said he'd bless him from the time he was born he's gone through all this with Jacob Right? And he is still there initiating the wrestling so that he could bless him. Do you know, we sometimes think that it's when, when, when we are wanting things, when we, you know, our desires met, people tell you, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. So we pray, 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 and we ask, ask, ask. And nothing much happens. Because the Bible doesn't tell you that's the way to get your desires met. The Bible tells you, very simply, Psalm um, 37. You can all finish it. Delight. Yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Can you see? So we tell people pray, but we don't tell them delight. Seek ye first, Matthew 6 the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Can you see that God doesn't just want you coming to him? He's not Father Christmas. You know, you ask a child, you know, somebody told a child, um, well, I don't know, we can afford that because it's very expensive, you know. And then I said, Father Christmas, he doesn't need money. And that's sometimes how we think about God. When I want what I want, when I'm desperate for my desires to be met, what I do is I can turn to manipulation. How many people put on Facebook all their desires? There's no bigger manipulator than Facebook. Tell me now. Or whatever social. I'm only on Facebook because I can't do any of the others. <laughs> Instagram, I, I, I'm got a clue what to do. <laughs> on Facebook's quite enough. I'm thinking of coming off that. There we go. So you get all these things. People telling you they're deep darkest secrets and desires of their hearts why would you put that on for the whole world to see it's manipulative because somebody out there may give you what you want and then you're happy but God says to get blessed by God delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart 
Can you see the difference? And people are not told to delight in God. We don't pray, pray, pray. And yeah, you pray, but your praying is to get you to know him. What happened here is Jacob got to know God. Up until now, it had been the God of Abraham and Isaac. After this, it becomes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you see? The revelation of God is what you want through prayer. Not just a means to get everything you want. That's not what the what you want is him. And when you've got him, you will find that lots of your desires you don't want in any case. Let me tell you a story from the Bible. Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. He had cleansed the temple and he had restored worship. Just what Wales needs to do, isn't it? Yeah, Cleanse the temple and restore worship. Right, oh, won't go on that. Um, and I, I'd be here forever if I start talking about that, so I'll stop. Another sermon. And um, basically, he brings revival into Israel. And then the time comes for Hezekiah to die. But Hezekiah refuses to die. I'm going to do that. He refuses to die. He says he turns his face to the wall and refuses to die. So God grants him his request because Hezekiah didn't have sons. And it was shameful for a king to die without having sons. So God says, all right, I'll give you an extra 10 years. So Hezekiah has 10 more years of life. And he has sons. And everybody thinks God blessed him. Isn't God wonderful? But actually, his sons were the worst kings Israel had ever seen. One of them was Manasseh, one of the nastiest men in scripture. And they brought back in idolatry into Israel. So sometimes when we nag, 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 nag for something, God will let you have what you want. But I read a lovely quote. It said, it brings leanness to your soul. It'll bring a leanness to your soul. Sometimes God withholds from us because it's bad for us. It's the worst thing possible that can, we can have sometimes is what we want. You don't understand that yet. But as you get older, you'll understand. You can look back and see God's work and the things that he's withheld. You think, thank God you didn't give me what I wanted. Thank God you did not give me what I wanted because that would have been terrible for me. The Israelites are warned, when you come into your land, don't turn away from God. The danger is when you get into your promised land, when you get what you want, you'll forget God. You'll forget him. And the worst thing that can happen to you is to forget God. So if you want God's blessing on your life, you can manipulate your blessing. You can, you can get it some way or other. But if you want God's blessing... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you'll find, really, my desires have changed. Once I get to know him, he gives you his desires, and you want, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because very often we're selfish, and we want to do what we want. Want to do what we want. So God holds Jacob there. And Jacob's, Jacob, is t- he says, I will not let you go till you bless me. So the question to you is, how much do you want to be blessed, O oh God? How much do you want 
that promised land of yours? How much do you want to cross over to become who you're meant to be? How much do we want it? Because it's going to take prayer, not asking for stuff, but getting to know him. That's where you meet him, in that quiet place, on your own, with him, when he reveals himself to you. That's what changes you. You know, that's what changed. Not getting our own way, that doesn't change. It didn't change Jacob. Jacob was Jacob all along, even with all the promises of God that were given him. He was given all the promises. He had Abram's promise passed on to him, but that didn't change him. The prophetic word didn't change him. What changed him was getting into a place where he saw God as God was. Then he changed. Right? Yeah? You can agree with me on that? You can agree with me? So if you've not been there, if you've never had that happen, if you've not experienced, because you see, we're meant to taste and see that the Lord is good. You are meant to experience God. You're not just meant to know him by theory. And we all have some, you know, sometimes we have just a theoretical knowledge of God. I know about him. But God wants you to know him in reality. He wants to reveal himself to you as someone who loves you so much that he would rather hurt you in order to get you the blessing that he wants you to have. Isn't that amazing? So some of the painful things we go through in life are God's blessing on us, not his displeasure. He, and, and, and the way it's John Piper puts it is that he smashed his hip out of place. And these were wrestling. Apparently, it was an ancient martial arts where they, 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 wrestling was known to be part of it. But God, sometimes we feel pain. We feel that God is not for us because we're in such pain. And actually, God is more for you than he's ever been. We've experienced that as a family. You know? We've experienced that as a family. You know? That this dreadful thing you go going through. And yet God says, now I'm going to bless you. Watch me bless you. Delight in me. Delight in me. Delight in me. Watch me bless you. So delight in God. Delight in him. Get to know him. Spend time with him. And there's nothing like being in his presence on your own. Because it's unbelievable when he comes to you. It's fine when he comes to a lot of people and you feel his presence. But when he does that for just you, don't you just know how much he loves you? When he touches you personally, without anybody else there, just you. So, first of all, you have to own who you are before God. He won't bless your fakeness. Secondly, delight in him. Delight in him. Even when it's painful. Even when you think he's not coming through for you. Even when you're praying. Delight in God. Because he's longing to bless you. And then we come to a verse. After this, he goes to meet Esau. I don't think we can treat others as we should until we've met with God in a personal way. We can act apart. We can go through the motions. We can be ritualistic about it. But I don't think we can truly love others until we've met God in a very personal way. And he was fearful. 
Esau, he thought, was out for his blood. He sent all his family off in two different directions. In case Esau kills them, he was waiting for an assassination to come. He was terrified of, the, of, of this happening. But still, now he has renewed faith. He's now strong. Even though he's limping, he's stronger than he's ever been in God. And I always say this, Sandra quoted last week, don't you trust anybody who doesn't walk with a limp? You know, people who only rely on themselves. A limping Christian has got to rely on God. You know you can't do it in your own strength. You know you can't get through it on the day without him. So you have to limp if you have got faith. Real faith limps. Real faith pride struts. Real faith limps. I'm looking for a quote because I've got to give it to you and I can't find it. And I'd be mad now if I can't find it. It's Louis Giglio. In his book, um, he's written a book, The Giant Must Fall. And he says in it that the antidote to fear is faith. And what carries faith is worship. Isn't that amazing? So if you're fearful, do you know what? I think we do fear people. I think we fear people. Oh, you are. The antidote to fear is faith, and the soundtrack of faith is worship. We have to come to a place where we realize that no man holds my life in his hand. With me? No man holds my life in his hand. No woman, no child, nothing has control over my life. The only person with control over my life is God. And yet we fear people, don't we? We fear, somebody once told me many, 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 many years ago, you are preventing God's destiny for me. I looked at them as if they were mad. I thought, me? Are you doing Griffiths from the mother? That's who I was then, you know? I said, Satan couldn't even prevent God's purpose for Jesus when he was dying on the cross. How on earth can I prevent God's purpose in your life? And that's how we think. We give people far more credit than they deserve in how they can harm us. If you are in Christ, if Christ is blessing you, how on earth can men not bless you? Do anything rather to prevent God's blessing. Right? And yet we have this thing about people, don't we? Thank God Phil has done be unoffendable. Smile and wave. You know, they can do nothing to prevent God's blessing coming on your life. It's God's purpose that you are going to be whatever. You are going to reach wherever. You are going to do whatever. No man can stand against that. You can. You can stand against it. You need not do what God wants you to do. It's up to you and God. But no third person can come in and spoil your life with God. Now, they make it pretty uncomfortable. This is where the hip gets put out of joint, isn't it? You know, yeah, we can go through a bit of pain, but they can't prevent God's work for us. I'm living proof of that. When you think everything's over, well, there we go then. When your worst fears come about, well, there we go then. There's no hope after this now. Nothing I've dreamt about is ever going to come about now. It's all a waste of time. I've been through this all a waste of time. 
God says, what are you talking about? Get up and start again. Because my blessings are still there. Men can't do anything to you. So just forgive them and let them go if they're hurting you. But you have to forgive. But you have to forgive. And don't fear them. You know, don't fear the past. We sometimes fear the past. Don't live in the future, in the, in the present, and dread the future. That's not, that's not what we're meant to be. Love every minute of your life. Love every minute of your life. It's fleeting. You don't believe how quick it goes. It's a fleeting time. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. If you're a stay-at-home mother, love being with your kids. Don't wish for anything else. They're not preventing God's blessing for you. They're part of it. Accept it. You know, whatever you're doing, love it. If you hate your job, learn to love it. Love it. It's God's provision for you. We have to start not realizing that other things and other people, they don't prevent God's blessing for us. We prevent it, but they can't. So, just look to Jesus. Look to him. Worship him. We used to sing an old song years ago. And it's, turn, no, um, when I look into your holiness. You remember it? When I gaze upon your loveliness. When all things around become shadows in the light of you. I worship you. That's, that's worship. That's blessing. That's being with him. That's wanting him. I used to sing to my babies, all three of them, when they were born, and they wouldn't sleep. We all get those nights when you creep out of the room. And they, the minute you're out the door, it's as if they know when there's a wah. And I used to pick them up, and I used to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. That was my turn. Look full in his wonderful face. What happens? Things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can you see? We have to wrestle in those three points. We have to wrestle with ourselves. Own who you are. If you're with God, don't fake it. He knows in any case. He knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart. So he knows you. Don't fake it. You know? Worship him. Delight in him. Delight in him. And then, you know, be as you want. Be as you should be with others. What did you say? Be a nice human being. You know, don't fear them. Don't fear other people. They can do nothing to prevent God's blessing on your life. Nothing. God says he'll do it. He'll do it. So, there's those three things. Let me finish with this. And then I'll put, this, rather I'll put the scripture up firstly. Just look at how Philippians puts it. Philippians 4. I love the book of Philippians. It's my favorite book in the New Testament. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. But you enter in with praise, rejoicing. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't dwell on the negative. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Act what you know. And the God of peace will be with you. Couldn't put it better. This fabulous. Let me just finish with this. We're doing something on revival in our plus groups at the moment because somebody asked me, will you do something on revival? And this week we did the four tenants. I'd never heard of the four tenants before. The four points Evan Roberts brought up in the 1904 revival. And he said they became the foundation of all the teaching in the revival. So revival was teaching that the 1904 revival that swept the whole world. It was a global thing that reached out to practically all the nations. was this. Number one, confess your sin. Confess all known sin and give it up. If you doubt it, cast it off. If you doubt it's right or wrong, cast it off. Number two, there can't be any cloud between you and God. Forgive people. Quite clear, simple as that. So one, confess your sin. Two, forgive people. Number three, obey. Obey what the Holy Spirit is saying. In other words, do what you should do. Do what the Bible says you should do. Don't do what the Bible says you shouldn't do. And number four, as I can't remember. Can you remember? Remember number four? Come on, you did it as well. It's not just me. Um, be witnesses for Christ. Be witnesses. Not just when you're baptized, not just when you get saved, but every day of your life, be witnesses for Christ. Those four simple, basic facts were the foundation for revival. So I think the church needs to get back to it. I think we need to get back to the basics of what's needed. And we start by wrestling with God, I think, about ourselves, about him, and about others. I pray that you'll be blessed. Be blessed of God. Don't doubt that he wants to bless you. It's what he wants to do. You'll be given a new name. You won't be called all those negative names you're calling yourself and other people have called you. You won't be called some... Now he was Israel. One who can prevail with God. A strong man. You've got another name. God's name for you. I hope you'll walk into it in Jesus' name. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.